0: Today, we continue our, our three weeks in, in missions. We're talking about kingdom commitment, which is a brand new thing as a way we're upping our game for missions. Now, for years, our church has done something called uh, Faith Promise. And how Faith Promise worked was this is every, every year in June, May and June, we would ask our people, we'd say, we want you to pray and to say, what is God calling you to invest in missions? Right? So, and then we would make a, a Faith Promise. He would say, out of faith, I don't know how God's going to provide this, but we're going to, out of faith, we know that God's called me to do this, and then we would make that, and then we would give that sum to the missions team, and that lets them know what kind of budget we were working with, how we're going to support our missionaries financially. And then they would tell those missionaries, and the missionaries would be able to see what kind of support that they would have. So they would know what kind of work they could plan on doing. And then throughout the years, God provided opportunities, sometimes he, he a special gift or things like this. Um, God would provide that, and it was always amazing. And, and God always provided more than, than what was in our hearts. This was an amazing thing. Well, uh, what we thought about is in our uh, as the years have gone by is, one, uh, we have a lot of new people, which is fantastic, which means that we're on mission. We should always have new people. But uh, as we've done that, how our church has done missions is so different than a lot of people have had it done in the past that there was a lot of confusion. And uh, and because of that, what would happen is uh, folks would be giving to missions, which is fantastic, but not knowing to let the missions team know. And so they would get a budget of like $8,000 and then really um, the rest of the money would come in, which is like three times the amount that we normally give to missions. And so they were, by faith promising, uh, helping our missions team. But what we found was this, is there's become a a disconnect between our hearts, not our pocketbooks, but really our hearts and missions. Uh, We didn't know really who we were supporting as a church, and we didn't know why we were supporting them. And that's a real dangerous place to be as a church, because if we're only sending dollars and cents and we're not sending our hearts and our prayers and our, our true support, then we're not really gauging in, in the mission. We're actually paying other people to do it. It's kind of a lazy way to do that. So what we've decided to do is to up our game. Uh, every fifth Sunday, which, by the way, is next week, uh, we're going to have what's called Kingdom Commitment Sunday, and then we're going to have a fellowship meal because we love e- each other. We like to have uh, potlucks because who doesn't, right? And uh, So we're going to have that. And on the fifth Sunday, also we're going to highlight – the missions work that have happened that last since the last fifth Sunday. What has God been doing uh, this uh, in, in, in our missions? What are we supporting? So that way you guys will know your hearts and your prayers can be with effectively with our missionaries. And on that Sunday as well, we're going to take a special offering that's going to allow us to, again, go into to support our missionaries. And to, so that's going to happen next week, which is a really great thing. And we're calling our kingdom commitment because this is this. As a church, we are committed to. To God's kingdom, right? You've heard me say it many times from up here. What are we about as a church? We're to be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. You got to start by being disciples. You got to follow the Lord. That's what the apostles did. That's what Jesus started with. And then he trained them how to then go and to make disciples, to build them. And that's what we are about. And that's what missions is. It's that continuation of that. So we are moving from a faith promise and taking that up to to really where it's always been in our hearts. We are committed to God's kingdom because God is committed to us. And a great thing? So this series is all about that, is saying where are we at? Are, as you know, uh, uh, Steve talked about at the end of the year, sometimes you have an evaluation. You always want to check where you are. And we're talking about where is our church on target with with the mission of God. Now, I'll say if you're a guest this morning, I apologize a little bit, not too much, but this this is not a real seeker-friendly uh, sermon series. Um but what this is, this will give you a window into what it looks like. Uh, what, what does God expect of the church? Uh, this is, this is a, a message series for the, for the body. And so if you're visiting today, this is a really great thing. It's an opportunity to say, what, is, what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it look like to be committed to the mission that God's committed to? And if you're one of the members, well, then this will be an opportunity for you to see, just to reintroduce you to some of the missionaries that we're doing. Now, how we've broken the series up, remember the, the week before we started, we memorized Acts 1.8. And this was Jesus talking to the apostles, and he gave us uh, kind of a, the Great Commission, and it's not the one we usually memorize out of Matthew, but it's, it's also the great commission. He says this, uh, um, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and uh, to the ends of the earth. And I think uh, that's a pretty powerful thing. That's what we are called to do. So we've broken the series up looking at those different areas where God has sent us to do. Last week we talked about to the ends of the earth how God has sent us to that international missions, how he's called us to go to people that live far away and look very, very different than us. But today we're going to talk about a different one, and that's Judea and Samaria. And for us, that's a little difficult concept. And as we go through this series, I want you to get three things. The first one is we want to uncover God's missionary heart. Because we can't say we're on track with what God wants to do if we're we're missing his point. We're away from the heart of God. We don't want to have a Christian church of Esses Park mission. We want to join God's mission. We want to be committed to his kingdom, not ours. We don't want to build, uh, you know, uh, our, we don't want to have all this ideas of what the Christian church wants to do. And we're going to force it to happen on this earth. No, we want to make sure that we are, are lockstep with the Holy Spirit, what God is doing in this world. So the first thing we have to do when we look at missions is we have to go to the word and say, God, what is your heart? Where are you at? What do you want us to do? And then what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to some missionaries that we're working with that help us fulfill that call, that, are, that are help us walk in God's heart in that way. And the third thing is we'll talk about how you can get engaged in this. How do you, how do you support what God has called us to? And so those are the three things we'll be talking about. So this is the world, and uh, you've probably seen it before. It's all flattened out. God called us on a mission to this this very big place. However, uh, Jesus didn't just say to the end of the earth. He said, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, which we'll talk about next week, throughout Judea and Samaria. And for us, sometimes it was like, well, where was Judea and Samaria? Why was that? Why would he mention that? So so here is Judea and Samaria. And you'll see there's a little arrow that points out. If you don't know where the Holy Land is, there you go. And... Judea, Samaria, that little star there's Jerusalem, so we'll talk about that next week. And um, some important things you're going to notice about Judea and Samaria. Samaria was the home of the northern ten tribes, uh, with Israel split right after Solomon. He got this son that was a really blousy king, and this kingdom split. And ten of the tribes went to the northern kingdom, and that is where Samaria was. And what happened was, is is those ten tribes, they wandered far from God. In fact, they set up a, a... Golden cow to worship at. And this is what they did. And they, they prostituted themselves to all kinds of foreign gods. And eventually God divorces them. That's what it says in Scripture. So and then as he does that is he brings in the Assyrian army and they come and they just devastate the northern ten tribes. And they've never been seen from again. God says, I divorce you, and then they get dissolved into nothingness. Now, as the Assyrians went down into Samaria, what happened was is they took and they killed or they moved all of the wealthy people, but they left the very poor people around. And those very poor ones, the ones that didn't have a lot of economic power, uh, they stayed as a bunch of other groups were brought into the area. And, and what happened was is you have these Jews that kept the form of the Jewish faith, But they also mixed it with all of these other pagan religions. And that is where you find Samaria. Samaria was, to the Jew, like God's ex-wife. It was with the half-breeds, were the ones that you didn't even want to be around. And so what happened was, by the time that Jesus came, which was several hundred years later, after this took place, like 700 years, is you have this area of Samaria that... Jews, the southern kingdom, Judea, who was say very faithful to God, or more, more or less did, they, uh, they didn't like these guys. They were bad neighbors. But you see, when Jesus grew up in Galilee. And I have a laser, but it doesn't show on these TVs. I'm so bummed about that. Uh, Jesus grew up in Galilee. So Samaria was surrounded by, by God's people, right? both sides. And what would happen is, is if you were a Jew and you wanted to get to the upper portion of the kingdom, you wouldn't go through Samaria because you don't like those people. And so what you would do is you would you would walk up here and then in Perea, which was semi Gentile, semi Jewish area. That was okay. You could walk through that. And then you'd have to go through the Decapolis. The Decapolis sounds Greek for a reason. Because it was it was it was Gentile. And the Jews would rather walk through the Decapolis with the pigs and the the goyim than they would walk through Samaria. They didn't like the Samaritans. You get the idea? They would go around it to get to Galilee. But Jesus was different. See, Jesus, he didn't just come to save just the Jews. He started with that but to save the world and so we have this story in John chapter 4 where Jesus is going back up from Jerusalem he's going back up to Galilee and he does something that just blows our minds is he walks through samaria and they're traveling through samaria and it's hot and they're thirsty, and there is this well that's there that was dug by one of the patriarchs. And he goes to this well, and there's a woman there in the middle of the day drawing water. And you and I think, well, no big deal, because we go to the sink at any time of the day, and we turn it on, no big deal. Well, I'll tell you what, big deal back then. Why? Because when the sun is out, it's hot, and water is heavy. So if you're going to go and grow, to draw water, which was the woman's job, you would go in the morning when it's cool. And and you would go down there and all the women in the village would be there and you'd draw the water and you'd talk whatever. It'd be at like the big water cooler party. And then you'd go back up and you'd have your water for the day. That's how it worked. Why was this woman out there in the middle of the day? Well, clearly she didn't want to be around the other ladies. And there's we find out later why she didn't want to be around the other ladies. But she was there. And uh, she was there basically because she made some poor life choices and was living... A, a, a shameful life and uh, didn't want to talk to anybody. And so here comes this, this Jewish rabbi, a holy man, comes walking up to, to this, this well and Jesus breaks all norms. He talks to her. He, he does three things he breaks. First is that this is a woman who is there by herself, no husband or anything. Her, and he talks to her. He's a man. You just didn't do that back then. And he, and he, bre- he, he breaches that and he talks to her. The second thing is, this is a pretty sinful gal. And here is the God the Son, but he's a rabbi, holy man, and he talks to her. And you wouldn't see that. I mean, Pharisees, they didn't have much time for those that they thought were, were sinful. Third thing is, he's a Jew. And this is a Samaritan. They are the enemy. And he talks to her. And he makes this conversation, and he, and, and he says, I want some water, and she... And she's like, oh, well, okay. And, and he says, you know, but if you know who you're talking to, uh, you'd be asking me for water because I have living water and you'd never be thirsty again. Now, he's talking about spiritual things and she's not quite getting it yet because none of us would. And she's like, well, then give me that water because I'm tired of coming down to this well. right? And then he starts talking to her about how he is the Messiah and she's, and explains to her that she is and he proves it by he asks her this question. She says, go back and tell your husband what you heard. And she's like, well, I can't. I don't live with my husband. She's like, you're right. You don't live with the husband. He had five men, husbands, and the guy you live with now is not even your husband. And she's like, what? How do you know this? And then he reveals that he is this Messiah that she was waiting for. And she runs back to the village and tells everybody. And they come back that the village is, is, is all gathering. They're listening to this woman that they didn't like that they look down upon, and she says, the Messiah is here, and we need to go visit. You've got you to see this guy. And that's where we pick up the story, right? Because now the disciples, they went into the town while Jesus was getting something to drink to get some food because they were hungry. And and this is where we pick up the story, and this is what it says. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, replied, I have the kind of food that you know nothing about. And I love this. The disciples didn't understand what he was saying. Did, did uh, someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other, which is a legitimate question. And they're probably like, we just walked in this village and spent all this money. <sighs> and uh, Jesus explains to them, no, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Have you ever done something that was so amazing that it just satisfied your very spirit? Jesus just met with this this Gentile, or that's this Samaritan, even worse, woman, and he brings the gospel. To her, and he sees her come to faith, and he's so happy. Man, not even food. I mean, he was he was so satisfied, doing the will of the Father, doing His work. And he says, "This, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest." And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But good thing. And then he says, "The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester!" Alike, and you know the saying, one plants another another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant, and others have already done the work, and now you get to go and gather the harvest. And many Samaritans from the village believed Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And now they said to the woman, Now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. A couple of things that we pick up from that story as we look into uh, our, our thing. The first thing is that God, he wants us to go to those who are close to us, but not the same. Sometimes I think the furthest mission field is the one that's closest to us. And I think about this. How often have we gone and, and really prayed for Longmont? But do you know there's a lot of people in Longmont who don't know the Lord? We're, why? Because we're concerned about Estes Park. That's why. But we send missionaries. We pray for Africa. We pray for Ukraine. But oftentimes it's those that are close to us that we don't even see. We'll drive down there and go shopping, and it never dawns on us the opportunity that is right there. But God also calls us to those that are, that are close to us that are, that are different from us, and I think that's even harder. I remember in high school, there was Johnstown, right? That was the Roosevelt Rough Riders. And they, for, as far as I was concerned, they were Satan incarnate, <laughs> right? They were, they were the enemy. We would play football against them. And then when I went to college, one of my arch nemesis is from, from Roosevelt. He was a, I was a running back, and he was a linebacker. And, and so we would just constantly just pound on each other mercilessly every game. And then in defense, I was defensive end, and he was a running back. And we always fought for each other as far as stats went, because it was always between me and him. So I just loathed this guy. Well, guess who ended up being on my hall in college? We played on the same football team. We ended up being really good friends. But that was not a person that I was feeling the love of Jesus for. You know, sometimes it's those that live close to us but are different from us. We actually we like the least. And it's hardest for us to reach them. And oftentimes we look at people in our own community that may be a little different from us. In our community, Estes Park, the demographics have shifted a ton, haven't they, in the last few years? And oftentimes it's easy for us to just overlook uh, you know, so many people in our community, the migrant workers, immigrants that come in, they're different, they have different culture, they're strange, we don't understand them and we don't see them. And Jesus calls us to those that are close but different. I think it's an important thing for us to see there. And he actually says it. When he gives the Great Commission, he points out Samaria purposely. We're going to go there because he went there. The second thing is that God allows us to assist the work of others. He says, you've heard it said that sometimes uh, that, that the one harvest, uh, one plants the other harvest, And it's true. And he tells the disciples, I'm sending you to harvest what you didn't plant. Now, that's really cool if you're the harvester. You know, sometimes we're the planter. Sometimes we go and do all the work, and then somebody comes here from somewhere else because they're an outside expert. They get to do all the harvest, and we're like, oh, I did all the work planting. It's the hard work, right? Who cares? Jesus said that that the joy what joy awaits both the plant and the harvest alike. But you know what? Sometimes we get to be the one that goes and brings the harvest in. And the harvest is people brought to eternal life. Sometimes we have the privilege and the opportunity of assisting and going out to, to this world and, and we get to see God do amazing things and touch lives and people come to faith. And if we can't be prideful to think that it was just us that did that, God is already there doing work with his people. We're part of his team. We're part of the kingdom. So we've got to do our part. What a shame it would be to get to heaven and to have somebody who planted and worked really hard at bringing the gospel. And we were supposed to go and harvest and we didn't show up. Or we showed up and we looked at the fields and we didn't even see him, And we walked on through. We have to see that God is at work in this and we're part of his plan. So we need to do our part. I think it's important. And I think the third thing, I love this, is that God is at home at places that we're not. Jesus stayed two days in Samaria. No Jew would ever stay. They walk around Samaria. They're not going to stay there But he accepts Samaritan hospitality. He is at home. He stays two days. He he embraces this village. They come to Christ. It's an amazing thing. And I think for us, sometimes we get uncomfortable. We feel like we're outside of our element. We're, We're somehow in this strange, different place with the ucky people. If we go to those that are different and we just don't feel at home, we have to understand our Lord Jesus is at home. And like the disciples, we have to make ourselves home wherever he is. So we can't look around this world and judge to say, oh, well, those are the God's ex-wife people. Those are the people that are ugly. Those are the ones we don't like. They're different than us. Let somebody else minister to them. No, God calls us there. God is there. God loves them. And he asks us to be at home where he is. So, how is our church reaching our Judean Samaria? Where is our Judean Samaria? can we see where that is. That's on our ends of the earth. Well, if we look into a map... We would say our today and Samaria is basically our nation. It's our region. It's Colorado. It's, you know, it's the area all the way up to our nation. It's inside our borders. Anything beyond that is to the end of the earth, right? Those are people that are way different than us. Well, our church has some missionaries that we support in our today and Samaria. Our areas, it's, it's someone's local. So we're going to talk about them today. First one is Interface Ministries. Next is In Faith. Um, and then Camp Como. And the third one is, uh, the fourth one is IDES. So we'll just briefly go through each of these. The first one we want to talk about is uh, Interface. And uh, you see that couple there? That's Terry and Trudy Thompson. They're missionaries. And they are in Golden, Colorado, where there's a School of Mines. And this is how Interface works. It's a, it's a national missionary organization where there's missionaries that we support through them. And uh, what they've Interface is about is this. We have one of the best educational systems in the world as far as higher education goes. And a lot of leaders from foreign countries will come to the United States to get an education, uh, to get a, an American degree. And, and what Interface discovered was we don't always have to go cross borders to the ends of the earth to have it cross borders to the ends of the earth impact. And we have people from all over the world, and not just anybody, but but world changers, leaders of business and government. They're coming here. So interface to this. We're going to send missionaries to the college campuses, and not just to any college campuses. We're going to go to, to, the, to the best schools. And what we're going to do is it, you can't just go to those schools and say, hey, we're a Christian thing, and we want – here's Jesus. Because what happens is you have folks coming from the Middle East and from China and from areas where it is against the law to be a Christian. And these are students that are coming to get education. If you said, hey, join me for church, they would say, no way. That wouldn't fly. So what Interface does is this. They say, hey, you're coming to the United States. You want to learn about American culture? You want to have Americans that care about you? You know, we have a great Christian heritage in the United States. Would you like to understand why, why it is that the United States works the way it does because of our great Christian heritage? And through that and for caring for practical needs from these students – they have the opportunity to share the gospel, and many come to faith. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, and that's what Henry Faith works. Now, we have Terry and Trudy Thompson because they're at the School of Mines, which is close to us. And uh, they do some very practical things every year. Uh, the first is they have a garage giveaway. And it's what is this? Well, uh, they collect donations of really good houseware items, not junk, but uh like toaster ovens and beds and, and dressers and all the things that you think of that you need. Because if you're moving from another country here to go to school, one, college is expensive. You don't have a lot of money. You have no idea where you're at. And to have somebody say, hey, listen, we're just going to give you. They don't even have to pay for it. We will give you. You could come in and you could take a look, and we will we will set you up, you and your family. What an amazing ministry that is. And not only that, but they will deliver the stuff. So these families from... from uh, School of Mines that are international students will come in and they'll get to shop and pick up stuff, and then they won't have to sleep on their floors, which a lot of them do for a long time until they meet Terry and Trudy. So every year they do this great ministry and then they go and deliver the stuff, the garage giveaway. That opens up a lot of doors of opportunity to talk with these students and to share with them God's love in a real and practical way. The second thing they do is conversational English classes for women, and this is why they do that. We're, Understand, the United States is very different than most places in the world as far as uh, women having rights and equality here. It's not like that in many places. And so we have people coming from all over the world that are coming here to the United States. A lot of times the husband's going and getting his education at the School of Mines, and, and, which is a great thing. But these gals will be very isolated. And they don't get to learn the language like their husbands do. And so they're stuck and they don't and, – and, and what Interface has done is love the whole family. And they reach out to these gals and they bring them together and say, hey, do you want to learn the language? You can talk with your husband. You get to know this culture and things. And then they also give them fellowship with other Christian ladies. And other ladies are also part of the international community that's there. And, and they use scripture as a way of teaching uh, the English language. And as you know it, that when somebody reads the truth and, and the freedom of the gospel, it makes a difference. And so these gals are not just being taught the English language, but they're taught something more valuable about their dignity and their value in God and their purpose and their place in his his care. And they're receiving love. It's an amazing ministry. And the next thing they do is called International Bible Exploration Time. We would call it go to church. But if you call it go to church, nobody would come. Because if you come from the Middle East and you write back home, what did you do? I went to church. They will kill you. But if you say, you know what, I'm exploring this culture, they, they will come and they will join a, a church or they will get to study the scriptures They'll do Bible studies. They have Sunday school classes uh, for their students that run concurrently and then they'll go to visit a church so that these students get to see that and they hear the gospel. And, and it's an amazing ministry. Last year, I was so thrilled when I heard this, uh, they had uh, eight students who gave their lives to Christ. Eight students for international, and then on top of that, there were nine other students who were believers but, uh, um, but had an opportunity to really be discipled and to grow in their faith. So that's Interface, doing phenomenal work um, all over the United States, but especially uh, Terry and Trudy. So when you think of Terry and Trudy, pray for them. They're amazing work that they're doing, um, just incredible stuff. The next one is kind of uh, like the other side of the coin from, from Interface. It's called In Faith. And this is a missions organization. It's national. And what they've done is they said, you know what? The United States is a missions field, and it needs missionaries. And it's a place where they vet things like this and find missionaries to go and serve the United States. And a lot of times they're American uh, people, and so they'll help serve in camps. They serve in in, uh, inner city missions. They do all kinds of relief work that they support. But they're missionaries that get their support um, from churches, and then they'll go and they'll serve. People in our country, in the name of Christ, and, and go to places that normally couldn't afford them. Now, there's a couple that we support that are in-faith missionaries, and that's Kevin and, and Jennifer Domes. That's their family right there. Now, Jennifer, some of you who have been here a while will remember her. She grew up in this church. Her parents were some of the founding members of our church. I think pretty cool. So she grew all the way through here, um, Jerry, Mary, and Pettit the parents. Uh, that was Jennifer. She was in our youth group. She went to Ozark Bible College, which I will say is a phenomenal school. And uh, then she married uh, Kevin, and they um, met at doing camp ministry. And then they joined in-faith ministries um, as missionaries. And uh, they served for a while up in the northwest and then felt a call uh, to go down to a place where there's not many people who – You know, you have to be committed. You're going to go. They're going to serve in Nebraska. And uh, a place called Bethel Bible Conference. And he's the associate director uh, down at Bethel Bible Conference. Been there for a few years. And uh, we're actually going to take a missions trip. We're leaving Monday. We're going to get back Friday. And we're going to go and we're going to serve them. Because Midwestern camps aren't like Colorado camps. People don't come from all over the country to go to Nebraska to go camping. In fact, I think you saw the video, right, that they showed. It was like the lamest water slide in the world. Right. It was like an old slide with like a hose over it. Right. But I will tell you what, there are a lot of kids around that area, around North Platte where this is at, that this is their opportunity to go and to play and to have some fun during the summertime. And they hear the gospel and many come to faith. Many come to Christ. It's an opportunity to reach and to love the youth of Nebraska. Many, I mean, they will work on the farms and things like this. This is an opportunity to reach them. And and so many come to faith through this amazing work. We're going to go there and help them do some maintenance because it's expensive and it's not glamorous. Everybody wants to go serve where it's glamorous. We decided to be more like the hands and the feet of Jesus and serve where there's a need. And there's a need at Bethel Bible Conference. It doesn't have a whole lot of money, but it has a powerful impact for the kingdom. So we're going to go serve uh, Kevin and, and, and Jennifer and that camp. We're going to get it all spiffed up. We're going to put some culverts in. We're going to clean the bathrooms. We're going to put new light bulbs in. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be fun. We're going to work hard for four days. To pray for us uh, this week as we're out there and we're, and we're serving in, in, in the small, seemingly small and insignificant ways, a very powerful way of promoting and propelling the ministry of Kevin and Jennifer and that amazing camp. Now, Uh, Another one we support is also a a camp here in Colorado. Because you know what? People come from all over the country to come to Colorado camps because, I mean, look, it's beautiful, right? It's amazing. Well, there's this camp called Camp Como. It's in Como, Colorado. It's got some great history. Uh, It's a a Christian church camp. uh, And people come from everywhere to go up there. And it is just beautiful. But more than that, it's not just beautiful. This is a camp that is committed to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. And every year they have an opportunity to share that gospel with with thousands of kids, all the way age from from little tiny tots all the way through they have a, adult ministries actually, you can go up and do family camps and things like this and, and not only do many come to faith at those things because they come up and, and there 's something about being in nature like this and seeing the, the majesty of God and being away from your world and your craziness for your eyes to finally open up and to see Him for who He is and to understand His love. And many come to follow Him. But also at that camp, Camp Como, many actually make decisions to go into ministry and into missions work. It's at that place because they're finally able to hear. The, they're, they're in a quiet place. They can hear the Holy Spirit's call in their lives. They make these commitments to follow God. And it's an amazing life change. Been, uh, the, the pastor that was here right before me, Scott Weber, he made his commitment to follow God in ministry at that camp, along with many others. And So this is amazing uh, ministry. There are times that we've gone up and we've actually done service work up there. Uh, we send some of our kids a things. It's a phenomenal camp, and we support Camp Como. Good stuff. The last one is IDES, International Disaster Emergency Service. And you'll say, Aaron, wait, international? Doesn't that mean that's to the ends of the earth? Yeah, partially. But what is IDES? If you think of IDES kind of like this, it's kind of like the Red Cross, but this is how they operate, and I love how they operate, is when there is a disaster, they don't just go and set up a tent and let anybody come in. They contact the churches and they work through the churches to empower ministry through catastrophe. And the reason that they do that is that they know that the churches are already committed to the area and already have a network, already know who everyone is and have people, there. Christians. We are even in the midst of catastrophe. We're willing to serve, right? Because God served us. And wasn't that true with the flood? Yeah. Yeah. And so what Ives does is they go and they empower the churches in the midst of catastrophe. And I'll tell you, they came and helped us during the flood. Ives came out here. They sent a guy out here. And not only did they give us money, they gave us all kinds of truckloads of materials. More than that, they gave us good counsel. They helped me connect and our churches connect with other churches and with other aid organizations to to, to create an effective and a lasting uh, uh, rebuilding project so so we can really restore the community in such a way that it doesn't just restore buildings, but it also restores dignity and hope and lives and propels the gospel. They're an amazing organization. And then they have expanded. It's not just that they just help with disasters. They also uh, give food. They have this amazing ministry. A lot of places in the world, people just don't have food. Like over 25,000 people die every day out of starvation. That is totally preventable. With food. And this is what they do, is they provide food for folks in the name of Christ. They provide clean water in a lot of places in the world where you just don't have clean water, even in the United States after disasters. They are amazing. They also do some cool stuff, like they provide sheds. Because when you have a flood and you lose your buildings and stuff like this, what happens next is oftentimes you lose the rest of your things. You think about businesses that have had their their store wiped out. They still may have a little bit of stuff that they could sell later on, but they have no place to put it. All that things go bad. And it just is a disaster upon disaster. I mean, they have thought through this. And AIDS helps all throughout the world, but they also help the United States. And so our church is committed to standing with AIDS and supporting them. And there are many, many uh, powerful ministries here. And uh, just this is a wonderful thing. In that picture, they have the little building. That's where they're at. That's their brand-new building. They had to move to a new place because of where they were at before. Didn't have Internet service because they were like Iowa or something. And so... <laughs> they had to move a building to get to the internet. I thought that was hilarious. So uh, they they have a new tech initiative um, to help upgrade their stuff so that they're able to have better contact with all all their work throughout the world. It's just an amazing organization. Uh, So this is our, to Judea, throughout Judea and Samaria. This is what we're doing. Um, and, And again, we used to do so much more, but we were, able, we were so spread out, we weren't able to really connect. The reason that we, we consolidated our missions was that we wouldn't just send money to, to these organizations, but we would send our prayers and our hearts and that we'd be able to support them by sending missions teams and things like this. So get to know Interface and, and, and Terry and Trudy. Pray for them. How about In-Faith Ministry? Uh, Kevin and Jennifer, write them letters of encouragement. Remind them of the good work that they're doing because they are in a place that there's not a lot of glory. But they're serving Jesus faithfully. Or how about Camp Como? Every, this, is, this is the time of year where, where thousands of kids from all across the United States are going to come here and they're going to hear the gospel. Pray for them and their staff and what God is doing. Or how about AIDS? Have you seen the state of the world? It's like falling apart. These are busy people. And to help them connect and to empower ministry uh, and the gospel wherever they are. This is what we're going to do. So this is how you can join in. It's A couple of things. One is learn and pray. Every fifth Sunday, we're going, to, we're going to touch on some of these ministries and tell you what's happening. Learn there. But don't let that stop. You know what? There's other ways you can learn. Our, our uh, weekly updates. Every time we get a letter from a missionary, we attach any letter that we get from them. Read those letters. And and also, if you have missed those or you don't like electronic stuff, we have the letters posted on a board that's on the, the hallway right before the bathrooms. Read those. Find out. Or go online. Every one of these uh, these missionaries, they have... They have really great websites. And so learn about them. Go on and find out what's happening there. And don't just learn, but put, put what you've learned to practice. pray for them. because God is there. Remember we, our memory verse, you know that uh, the, the harvesters have received great wages, right? And we do. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and, the, and the fruit we harvest is people brought to eternal life. What they're doing is effective. but get this, this is so important. He says, both the harvesters, what joy awaits both the harvesters and the planters alike. These are oftentimes the planters. They're doing the work. And joy awaits them, but it's hard work. So learn about them. Pray about them. God is working with them even before we're there. So pray for them. Next thing that we can do is join the missions team. And this is twofold. How do you do that? The first way you can join the missions team is by actually joining the missions team. They meet once a month. And it's on a Sunday morning, first service. And it's in the prayer room. And so it's not a huge time commitment, but it's, a, it's eternal uh, impact uh, what they get to do. And so they, they get to know the missionaries. They get to pray for them. They get to see all the details of what's happening in there. They direct the church. They help inform us and let us know how we can support them. And uh, it's an amazing team. And if you want to invest an hour or a month doing something that changes eternity and changes the world, then join the missions team. It's a powerful thing. And so um, our journey commitment card, there's a way that we can do that. But the second way to join a missions team is every year we're taking missions trips. And we're going out to these mission groups that we're, we're going and serving them. It's not a vacation. We don't go there for us or to relax. We go there to serve, to serve those who have served, to be sometimes the harvesters and sometimes the planters. We go to serve. And I want to challenge you. If you've never been on a missions trip before, it's uncomfortable. It is. But it's amazing. And you're doing God's work, and it's an investment, yes. But you're going and and you are following in the heart of Christ. And I want to encourage you, when missions trip opportunities come, pray about those things seriously. And if you feel the call of God to join, don't let your fears or discomfort or or whatever keep you from joining. I mean, God is already at home there. And if he's calling you to do the work, then what a joy that is. So join a missions team. I think that's a great thing. Third thing that we could do is, uh, obviously... Oh, come on. Is this? Is the, the join the kingdom commitment? Join us as we stand as a church to go and, and support these ministries. We want to pray. Everybody needs to pray. Everybody needs to, to, to at least support the miss, missions team somehow. But I also say in our kingdom commitment, let's, as a church, come together and say, you know what? This is something. This is the heart of God. He wants us to go. Let's go together. Let's do this. And this is how you can do that. Uh, we need to coordinate. God says it's good to be orderly and to do those things. So uh, one way to do that is in your bulletin, there is a little yellow kingdom commitment card. And it's a tool. And that's all it is. This is not a legal contract. This is a tool. <laughs> um, it's like this, like a little, little card. And what it says there is, my kingdom commitment for this year, because we go from June to June, is this. How much per week, per month, per year, and your name. That's it. And, you know, we're not going to track you down and break your legs if you don't give us what you said, you know. <laughs> This is for you to take home this week and to pray about and to say, God, what do you want from me this year to, to support this? What is my commitment going to be? How much do I, I want to invest in what you're doing? This is on top of your regular tithes and offerings. This is, this is our mission stuff. And every fifth Sunday, we'll take a special offering. And next Sunday, because it's a time to create the budget for the year, I want you to bring these cards back. And to let our missions team know how much they can expect, so they know how to tell these mission in, these missions how much we're going to be able to support them. Because those missions, they also have to set their budgets, right? So we need to be responsible. So, so pray this week. Don't just write something down. Pray. Let this be a, a partnership between you and God, the Holy Spirit, as He tells you, "This is what I want to do," and then and and, and commit. Be be in, and don't be afraid to commit. Uh, and I know we live in Estes. and so Nobody likes to commit in Estes Park. That's why we move up here. Right? <laughs> but here's the thing. God committed to you, and once you committed to him, you are already part of his kingdom. And he just says, listen, join in. What an opportunity. So make the kingdom commitment, and we'll be taking that up next week. Next week as well, bring your, your potluck stuff, right? So bring yummy food, because afterwards uh, we're going to all get together. We're going to share what God did on this missions trip, so pray for us as part of that. Uh, but these are the ways that we to. To join in. So, uh, as I bring this this service to an end, a conclusion. Um, here's some things. I want you to take out your your, uh, your connection card on the back side of it. There's the front. You filled that out already. And I appreciate that. On the back side, here's some things that uh, some ways that you can commit to this week to take steps in that direction. The first one: memorize John four thirty six. Why? Because. The devil tries to tell us that this world is so important that this is what should be focused on. Everything, you know, it's about my career and about all the ball games that we got to do, and I'm always so busy. Jesus says it's like weeds, right? It'll choke out our faith if we're not careful. We need to remember the words of Christ. This is why we're here. We are on a mission. We are on mission, and it's valuable to be on mission. And what joy awaits those, right? <laughs> that are the planters and the harvesters alike. Remind yourself that, that the, the harvesters are paid good wages. God sees what we do and he's calling us to it. This is an opportunity. This is not just like, a, it's not a sentence. Missions is an amazing opportunity to just be in lockstep with God and what he's doing and he loves the world. So remind yourself of that, especially when life gets busy. Or when you walk through Safeway or you go down to Longmont and you see people, remind yourself that the fields are already white for harvest. It's not your job to both plant and, and harvest. Maybe when you go down there, maybe there's someone that needs God's love. And you get to, to bring that person uh, to faith. Maybe that's, that's a joy, but it begins to open our eyes to the reality of the mission that we're on. Memorize this. Set it in your heart. Meditate on it. Think about it so God can bring it alive in your life. How about this? Pray for our regional missionaries. It was on the board there, so I thought I would put it here. Do it this week, especially for those of us on the missions team. Pray for us as we go out and we serve. be an amazing thing. But pray for our missionaries and, and say, you know what, this week I'm going to go through and I'm going to pray for interfaith. So I'm going to pray for in faith. I'm going to pray for Camp Como. I'm going to pray for Ides. Uh, commit to doing that this week. Or how about this? Um, partner with us in our kingdom commitment. You say, I don't know what to give yet, but next week I'm going to do this. Why? Because sometimes we need to commit to Commit. All right? We need to take those baby steps, and I want to help you do that. Don't be afraid to follow God and to commit to God. He's always there with us. Right, These are some of the safe things to do. And you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be part of this. And as you do it this week, don't just say, well, I'm going to send money. No. Pray what God wants you to join in, and then pray for our missionaries. Support them with your prayers. Decide how you're going to be able to just to really, truly partner with our ministries through the kingdom commitment. And the last thing here is attend. Uh, the next mission team, you maybe say, I don't know if I really want to join a missions team. I want to see what it's like first. That's fine. It meets on June 14th at 815 in the morning. If you check this box, you want to just check out what the missions team is like, see if that's an area that you want to serve uh, the church and the world and serve Christ. Then if you check that, what will happen is, uh, you know, June 14th is a ways away. We will send you an email the week before to remind you. So you won't forget. It's the way that we want to serve you. So let us know if you want to attend that next missions team meeting so that we can help support you in that. Maybe there's some other way that you want to to join in. Make sure you check that other box and and let us know what it is so I can pray for you this week and support you as you make commitments to follow Christ. Maybe there's another commitment that you need to make. Let us know. Uh, We will support you or a prayer request. I'll tell you what, God hears prayers, and the things that he's done this year have just knocked our socks off. He is engaged in in our church. So let us pray for you. If you've got something you need to prayer for, let us join you and serve you in that. Make sure you write that down. Here in a minute, we're going to take our our tithes and our offerings, and as we pass uh, those around, um, drop your connection card into the basket as well. And uh, and let's uh, let's honor God with our what we offer, and as far as our tithes and offerings, but also as we offer in terms of our commitments. Let's bring those to Him uh, now. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Lord, You are good, and You are powerful, and You are loving. And Lord, as we uh, talked about this morning, uh, You have an amazing heart for this world, much bigger than ours. You call us beyond our our sense of territory, and You've shown us the very truth. that this world has been claimed for you. And Father, there are many who still live in darkness. And there are many that we just ignore. Because we don't even see them. But Father, I pray that you help us see our world the way that you do. Help us see our neighbors the way that you do. Let us see the opportunity before us that you have put before us. Let us see those fields that are ready for harvest. And Lord, give us the courage and the stamina to follow you. in obedience to love this world. And to and to bring many to faith in Christ. Let us be disciples, Lord, that make disciples. And Father, we pray for for our ministries and our missionaries here in the United States that we support. We pray for Terry and Trudy. Bless them, grow them in their faith. Father, as this next school year is beginning to start, uh, as they're preparing for that, I pray that you would give them success in all their preparations, give them health as a family. Father, uh, prepare their hearts for this next class and prepare this next class of international students, Father, to hear the gospel. And, Lord, we pray that there would be many that would come to faith this year through ministry. I pray for Kevin and Jennifer and for their amazing work. And as they're getting ready for summer, God bless them richly. Father, I pray that you give Kevin and Jennifer a heart for those students. I pray that you give them success in their work. And, Father, I pray that you would bring students from all over Nebraska and that area. Lord, that need to hear your gospel and that they would come and that they would be confronted with your love. Uh, they would respond and have a life change and they would become disciples of yours. Uh, Father, we pray obviously uh, for, for Camp Como as well and that you would bring many from all over the world and that your gospel would go out and be proclaimed clearly. We pray for the, for the speakers at Camp Como that you would allow them to say true to the word. And they would preach clearly and accurately. Father, we pray for the staff that's there. Encourage them. Let there be health at that camp. And Father, we pray for for a rich harvest this year at Camp Como. And for Ides and the great work that they do. Let them not grow weary in serving those that are suffering. And help us to support all of these ministries as a church in a way that honors you. And is in line with your call. Now, Father, take these tithes and these offerings, these commitments, and bless them, we ask in Jesus' name.